Hey everyone, welcome back to Silver on the Sage podcast. Today we are wrapping up our Advisors of Philmont miniseries with Barry Bray. Barry has been on numerous treks and has participated in PTC programs. Today he focuses his discussion on the three cavalcades he's been on as an advisor in 2014, 2017, and 2021. Philmont cavalcades are similar to regular expeditions, except that instead of hiking, crews ride on horseback through the rugged mountain wilderness, just like the famous trappers who first explored the West. I want to thank everyone who participated in this mini-series. I hope to do this again and invite advisors onto the show on occasion to share their unique and valued perspective as important members of the Philmont experience. I hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks for being here with me. Let's hike on. I'm here tonight with Barry Bray, and you're joining us for the Philmont Advisors mini-series that we're doing on the show. You've been on five treks, one autumn adventure trek, three cavalcades, numerous PTC programs and PTC faculty. You're just kind of an amazing lifetime scouter, so I'm really excited to have you on the show, and thank you for being here. Well, well, thank you so much, and good evening, Caitlin. I'm Really stoked to be here, and uh, what an honor! I've, I've kept up with you, and uh, so if I can be on the same place as um, you know Rod Taylor, I feel I've made it. Okay, <laughs> there you go. I believe you're coming from Little Rock, Arkansas. Yes, ma'am, that's correct. Awesome. Do you want to start with how scouting became a part of your, you know, such a big part of your life? Were were you in scouting as a youth? Um, or just any memories from your first experiences at Philmont? Sure, let's uh, let's start with Philmont. I mean, that's that's why we're here, and uh, that's that's home to all of us. So, my first love affair with Philmont began in 1972, as a scared first time that far away from my parents' 13 year old. I wasn't 14 yet. Yeah, I had just made a hundred pounds. And from a small town in Arkansas and and was scared to death. Never been that far away uh, from my parents at that time. Far different than today's treks. We had one advisor who often smoked on the trail. Some of my uh, friends wore their uniform on the trail. You don't see that too much anymore. Mm -mm. We had two showers during that first trek. um, And they consisted of standing in like a number two wash tub. And your tent mate would pour like a Navy shower. You pour the water over you and you'd soap up. And then the second one would come on. Now, keep in mind, this this is mountain stream water. So uh, nice and cool, you know. I bet. I, you know, I've, like you said, I've, I've done multiple tracks, three cavalcades, an autumn adventure that if you haven't been to the ranch in October, September, it's it's just fabulous. And especially that autumn adventure, we did it as an all-adult, which allowed us to have certain privileges. Um, 
I will say that it was one of the most enjoyable treks that I've been on. I'm currently serving as the ambassador for our council, and uh, my wife and I and two dogs, as you heard earlier, uh, <laughs> live here. I've I've served as uh, scoutmaster, assistant scoutmaster, committee chair, adventure uh, advisor, and uh, I got my eagle uh, in 1974, January 28th to be exact, with about five of my friends. Awesome. So scouting in the 70s was you know, there were sports and there were scoutings. And once a month we were going camping. We went to Philmont. We went to NOAC in Santa Barbara. Um, and those same people I've kept in touch with. Uh, Doc Walker, I saw, just got a, a nice uh, award. Uh, he's one you ought to have on here. Yeah. Uh, he was a Magnolian in our, in our council. So uh, Doc Walker was a big influence on me. And uh I need to call him. I've got his number. I just hadn't reached out to him yet. It looks like it's been a very fulfilling scouting career and I'm sure many wonderful experiences and memories and friends. Can I ask, why did you never attempt to work on staff at Philmont? You know, my parents always make made sure that we were making money in the summer. And uh a regret, but on my bucket list, I want to be that old geezer at the welcome center. You know, that's yes. the first impression you have of Philmont. And I think um, I I want to spend a summer doing that and make up for my misspent youth. There's still time. There's still time. Before we sort of talk about the advisor role and talk about Cavalcade, are there any specific Philmont memories you want to share? From all your treks, I mean, you you uh, trekked your first yeah. trek was in 1972, and then yeah. you know you trekked in 91, in 2008, 12, 16. So you've been there through different generations. Do you have any story or moment you want to share? Well, now if you go back, Caitlin, and if you count on all your fingers and everything, you'll realize that 2022 was 50 years. And I wasn't going to come because they had the COVID mask and this or that. And I hated it. And I'm not a mask guy. This is my beard up, you know. And I thought, you know, it's it was 50 years ago. And I can remember very vividly certain things that happened on that track. Can't remember what I did yesterday. But I, I, I can remember certain things, you know. And I thought, you know, I'm going. I'm going home. And uh, we'll just make do with, with whatever happens. Um, so many just epiphanies, you know, one of the things I always try to do is that last night that, that, uh, on the trek, um, I, 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 I get by myself and I find that view and just reflect and ask myself, is this it? Is this the last one? You know, it's coming. It's inevitable. And uh, unfortunately, COVID got my lungs. I can tolerate altitude. I can probably day hike, you know, but those days of chasing those boys with a 40, 50 pound pack, I know it's gone, but that's okay because I've got so many memories that, uh, you know, to last a lifetime. We said goodbye to one of our scouts. Um, on top of uh, to the time, and um, I think that's 
that's where I want. I know you're not supposed to do that. I know there's leave no trace. Uh, but, you know, we all go back to carbon. So our ashes, wherever they may go, I think that was a very fitting spot. And uh, I don't have a problem with that either. And I know I'm certainly not the only one to have done that. And there's lots of people up there. And I'd like to hang out with with my peers. So uh, that was certainly a memorable one. Um, the time that my tent mate leaving Cyphers, dry camp going up to Thunder Ridge, and he had a two and a half pound or two and a half gallon water keg on his back, turned and the strap broke. And right before it hit the ground, it caught and just twisted his back. And I hear all this, Mr. Bray, Mr. Bray, Mr. Bray. And I, I get back there and he is just sobbing. His head is buried in his hands and he's just sobbing. I'm like, oh, this packs off. This is going to be a while. Sent four guys back to Cyphers. They came back within 45 minutes. They did the assessment. I'd already said it's non-neuro, appears to be muscular. It's a previous injury. Uh, told them that we're, we're going to need a litter crew. Well, they came back with a radio and you know the protocol. Then they've got to call base camp and then you talk to the doc. At about three o'clock that afternoon, and this started at about 6.30 in the morning, uh, the third year Kansas State, uh, I'm going to get in trouble. It's either Kansas or Kansas State. Uh, resident came up there with two assistants and crutches. And like, this ain't going to work. You know, we already said he's non-ambulatory. And I do understand uh, after that that, shockingly, there are those who will feign an illness to get off the trail. So it was a great learning experience. Um, the people from Cypher said, oh, this is the best tasty we've had all summer, you know. So, well, I'm glad we could <laughs> oblige to that. Oh, gosh. Uh, but it just goes to show you, be prepared. Be prepared for what? Anything, you know. Um, that was certainly a memorable event. The time that my tent mate, uh, this was the original trek in 72. Now, keep in mind, Caitlin, this is – Leave No Trace didn't exist at this time. And, you know, there's your advisor smoking at the coffees and on the trail. I mean, it was, and there was only one advisor. There wasn't two. There was only one advisor. Yeah. Uh, so we had had sopapillas at Harlan. We'd had Mexican food, which prompted honey. And we had been told the story of the camper who had washed his hair and had gone to bed that night. And unbeknownst to him, a bear smelled that shampoo, came up and started licking his face. As it startled him and he jumped up, the bear startled himself, ripped off half his face. Oh, my God. Well, so we had the bright idea. We'll just take some of that honey from the Sopapias. And we'll combine that with Tetrox. I don't know if you're familiar with Tetrox. It hadn't been used in probably 30 or 40 years, but it, it was a powder-like comet. And okay. it was uh, both a disinfectant and a cleanser. Hmm. And if you didn't completely rinse it off, you understood why it was called Tetrox. That <laughs> night, as we're listening to this bear bounce around that box that we put honey on, my tent partner says, I have a meat bar in my pack. 
First of all, why do you have a meat bar? Because you couldn't eat the thing. It was everything left from the cow put under about 20,000 pounds of pressure and made into like a Snickers bar. <laughs> Disgusting. You cannot <laughs> believe how far the food has come. The food now is actually wonderful. So during that time, you know, we didn't have floors on the bottom of our tents. We had those canvas pup tents and you carried a ground cloth. So he gave it to me and I just pulled up the side of the, the tent and threw it, you know, just God loves idiots, you know, and, <laughs> and looks after us. Uh, that, that particular individual did retire as a captain in the United States Marine Corps and went on to uh, retire from the FBI. So he wisened up as time went on. <laughs> Those are some very memorable things about Philmont. <laughs> and that's the beauty of Philmont. Everybody develops their own stories and, and life-changing events that you just, you simply can't get anywhere else. Well, thank you for sharing those. Let's jump into talking about your role as an advisor on your cavalcade experiences. You went on cavalcade in 2014, 2017, and 2021. For listeners who maybe do not know, do you want to talk about how cavalcade is different from a regular trek? Are there any like nuances that maybe people wouldn't think of that make it more unique? The advisor role is still the same. And now with the gateway, of course, uh, it's going to be exactly, you know, you're, you're going to check in. Uh, used to, you wrote in and, and said, you know, Ms. Pacheco, I'd like to be considered for the 2024 fall cavalcade, yada, yada, yada. And hopefully she called you. But now it's on the gateway and it's just part of the um, lottery or I know the lottery is going away, but um, it's part of that process now, which means the visibility is out to everyone. So hopefully more people will start to do it. Your advisor role is exactly the same as a track. Uh, you're making all the same arrangements. Now, the preparation is different. You want to do the horsemanship merit badge. Um, there's a lot of guys that, you know, have not uh, ever been on a horse, which is fine. This is a great time to introduce them to uh, horses. And um, it's just a completely different vibe. Any staffer knows that the ranch department is different. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and God bless them. And there's a reason they're different. They have to be different. Uh, but getting ready for it, uh, there's all kind of riding stables that you can uh, do. And the ranch department has put out uh, YouTube videos, how to saddle your horse, how to bridle your horse, how to mount your horse. And, you know, uh, and, and those are helpful, too, because they have their own ways of uh, how to tie the bridle, how to cinch your backstrap uh, so you know there's there's lots of ways to prepare for it one of the big differences is you pack in a 65 to a 75 liter backpack for your cavalcade you will pack in a say 18 by 20 duffel bag and all of your gear with the exception of what you can put in your uh, saddlebags has to fit in that 
And if you're my wife, that was a challenge. <laughs> fair, but it works. Fair it enough, can yeah. be done. What do you keep on your horse? Okay. Water bottle, snack, your rain gear, uh, camera, uh, stuff that, you know, you you would need fairly quickly. Uh, the the pack horses carry everything. All of your saddlebags are put into, um, oh, help me out, Caitlin. The, uh, the, the panniered? Panniers. Yeah. Thank you. Thank sure, you. Sure. <laughs> Those are all put in the panniards. And, um, you know, your fact, your first aid kit is put on the outside so it's accessible. And uh, then, you know, everybody takes turns uh, leading the pack horses. Uh, the pack horses, if you want to have your own rodeo, you can try and ride one. <laughs> it's not recommended. And certainly not for anybody that's never been on a horse before. Uh, there's a reason they're pack horses. Uh, but these are the gentlest horses. Their nose tail, you really have to dig into them to make them get out of that position. Uh, as a matter of fact, Trenton, who now lives uh, on the tooth of time, <laughs> as we were going down to Poneal, Trenton was small in stature, but certainly large in heart. And uh, he, he didn't have his sense where it needed to be. And I'm behind him and I'm watching him. Uh, Trenton was also a blacksmith and could, was so creative. The guys at French Henry were just like, oh, my God. You know, he made a leaf for him out of a piece of bar stock. He slowly starts to slide like Ruth Buzzy. And he's like, Mr. Ray, Mr. Ray. He literally goes, he was, you know, his forearms were like a bull rider. He just goes all the way upside down. And the horse you go, you know, is just going, oh, God, another one of these. Didn't move, <laughs> didn't kick, didn't buck. And I'm sitting here laughing so hard. By the time that Rebecca got back to help us, I hadn't even gotten off my horse yet, you know. I, I it was just the funny. It was it was you know not unsafe really, but uh, another moment. Since I believe you do have two Wranglers that stay with you the entire time, as opposed to a trek where the ranger leaves you after a few days, what is that dynamic like for the crew? Do they have a chance to work through different challenges? I don't assume you're doing like map and compass, and you're not taking the wrong trail because the Wranglers are guiding you. Um, so, you, you know, is there something in replace of those challenges that you get to have on Cavalcade? So one is a horseman that is in charge, is, is the lead. And the other is the Wrangler who is in charge of morale and whatever the horseman needs. It's not the responsibility of your horseman and Wrangler to take care of you, unlike the ranger. So before everything starts, uh, they'll have a ranger trainer come and show you the three-pot method and how we dump everything into one pot and cook it. That's another <laughs> conversation. Uh, so we have that ranger training and, and the bear bag, and you've seen the, the practice bear rope down there at uh, cattle headquarters. Uh, so they, you, you have that one day. The Wranglers could care less. They're just there to make sure you don't hurt their horses, which is their job. So it's up to you to maintain and take care. Now, I will say this. They jingle the horses in the morning, 
and they they do the morning feed. Of course, we all help throw hay and uh, feed bag in the evening. Uh, we'll help with that. And you saddle your own horse. You curry your own horse. You, uh, you know, that's your horse. You take care of it. Uh, if it throws a shoe or something like that, of course, you know, the wrangler's going to put a shoe back on for you. Uh, but they're there in a um, containment capacity. <laughs> Do the cavalcades only stay at staffed camps overnight or do you stay at trail camps ever? Well, you know, uh, for the first time on our last cavalcade, we stayed at uh, Old Cow Camp. It had been abandoned for several years and we couldn't find it. Uh, And finally, Chuck had to come out and and show us where it was. You know where Rod's cabin is right there? Yeah. It's just up in that meadow from that. Uh, but since it hadn't been used in several years, it, it kind of had grown up. So what they did was they, they came out and brought a bunch of pallets and put down and and tarps. And, and that's where we put our tack for the night. And then we had to cross the fence and go up. Uh, there was an old uh, pilot to bombardier. Uh, <laughs> uh, a facility available up there should you want to use it. Uh, but other, that's the only one and there's a water tank there. So, uh, you know, there was water available and then they brought feed to us, but, uh, by necessity of, of taking care of the horses, all your other camps are staff camps. Okay. Yeah. I kind of figured talking about you taking care of your horse and, and doing different feedings and this and that, does that ever cut into program time or do you just kind of make a schedule for the day so you don't miss a program slot. You know, if, if you don't like to get up early, cavalcade's not for you. Uh, our, you know, the, the top of topo road from, uh, Bobby Inn to Clark's, we got up at three 30 in the morning, uh, to get that done. You know, we, we really didn't have any problem making program. Uh, it was available to us by, by the routes that you're taking you're not hitting a lot of the programs because keep in mind uh, with those pack horses, those panniers are, you know, you're about six or seven feet wide. Uh, So there's a lot of trails that you can't go on, uh, on cavalcade that you can on a track. Uh, So by that necessity, you might miss some of it. Uh, To me, the whole day is programmed. You're 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 on a horse. You're on these trails that uh, Kit Carson, Jesse James, Buffalo Bill. You're on the same trails that they used, and and I transport myself back to the 1860s. You know, you don't yeah. agree with somebody, shoot them right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. That was a good answer. The whole the whole day is program. It I, is. It really. Yeah. Do you stop and eat lunch or do you eat lunch on horseback and just keep, keep riding? Uh, no, we'll, we'll always stop at, um, well, all right. So we went through Cypher's when that long day, uh, on Topo road and we were going to eat there, but there was so many people at Cypher's, you know, we usually tie up, uh, down the hill just a little bit, but we decided since there was just so many people that we, um, we went went on down to Hunting Lodge and we ate lunch at Hunting Lodge. No, we'll usually stop. 
and and you know take breaks and uh usually those breaks will be at a camp a staff camp maybe not our destination for the night or if there is a a program to do yeah uh, one of our cavalcades was like man a bray you this night Bobby in the night but it was like a foodie oh it was <laughs> wonderful you know yeah. Now, don't think that just because you're riding horses that you don't need to be in shape. Far from it. Uh, you know, Philmont, well, it's you're only going to do 60 miles. Well, let's see, program is two miles away from when you're camping, and we got to go to that three times, so there's another six miles. One thing I will say, the stables normally were fairly close to where the staff camp was, or the cabin was. So we usually didn't have to travel very far in order to, you know, go to the staff cabin. Do you bring cowboy boots and hiking boots or do you hike in your cowboy boots? Trenton hiked Baldy in his cowboy boots. <laughs> Get down with your bad funky self with that now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I carried a pair of uh, trail boots or okay. you know, running yeah. boots. So uh, the main thing is you always want to look good, right? <laughs> always. It didn't come out very. Do you know how hard it is to find a long sleeve Hawaiian shirt? Just throwing it out there. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being in shape, I mean, you know, sitting in a saddle for several hours a day going uphill and down here, hill, if you're not used to that, I imagine there can also be some maybe bruising or chafing or yeah. What tips or tricks do you have for people preparing? Other well, people? down, down here in the South, we prefer chinks over chaps. All right. Chinks, as you know, are just kind of a knee length, um, chap, I guess, leggings, leggings, I guess. You call them. Uh, whereas chaps are full length. Uh, so my old chinks have kind of disintegrated. So I had some shotgun, chaps so i i wore chaps my son and daughter-in-law they they have their own personally made chinks so they they had their chinks i i will say i think they do add a certain level of comfort if you ever you know if you're riding for a long time i i prefer to have some type of chaps on um knees i mean if your knees don't hurt you then you're you're not treating your horse right uh so it's just as important. And remember, you're going to be at altitude. Uh, we, one of on the South Cav, our North Cav, we did Baldy and uh, we did, you know, some did Baldy and then went around to French Henry and made the big loop. Uh, so, yeah, you, you need to be in shape. And um, just the mere fact that you're at altitude uh, coming from 250 feet, you just, you need to prep like you're going on a trek. Maybe not quite as hard but don't sell it short it's yeah. kind of like going to northern tier and thinking it's going to be easy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> another conversation would you say that um on average how many miles do you think you hike on a cavalcade oh easily two to three you know your tack is always in a tack room and your horse is out there uh, in the corral. And so once you, you know, you, you catch it and bridle it, then, you know, you tie it up and uh, 
then you got to go get the saddle. Now, if you've got an awesome crew chief who will bring your saddle and blanket to you, more power to you. That <laughs> that's happened to me more than once. So, and I do appreciate that. And would you say going uphill or downhill is harder on horseback? Oh, downhill. To me, man, you're you're bowed back, you know, and your stirrups and you're just hoping you're taking that one foot out so in case that it steps and goes the wrong way, it's easier to get off on the high side. But yeah, I, I think going. What do you think? Yeah, I would say downhill, just from the writing that I've done. Yeah, that's when I feel it, like in my body, like oh, I'm either prepared for this or I'm not. So <laughs> it, it'll find your weaknesses. It will. It's very tricky that way. But what is the the protocol for? Do you have to be wearing a helmet? Do you recommend a cowboy hat or a ball cap to keep the sun off? Well, according to BSA safe scouting guidelines. Yes, I'm afraid, Caitlin, you will have to wear a riding helmet. Now, if you if your parents have paid for the fancy dancy horse lessons, you may bring your own riding helmet. Otherwise, you will be giving a very nice choice of black or possibly some other off color by the Philmont Ranch Department. And is to be worn at all times while mounted. All right, noted. <laughs> you're you're guessing I'm not a fan of that, but hey, I carry my cowboy hat with me. Safety first. <laughs> right. Safety first. Um, what other misconceptions do you think are out there considering the advisor role again? Maybe things that a first time cavalcade advisor might not know to prepare for. You know, some of the kids are gonna be scared. Uh, you're going to have, I mean, a horse is, is, is 1200 pounds of, I, I, I can kill you if I want to. Uh, we had a horse that, um, we said, don't tie these two horses close together. There's a reason for that. And the next thing we know, we're at Bobby Inn. the horse is reared up, still got a saddle on it. The next thing you know, it's on its back with its feet stuck in the fence. If you don't know what to do, it's a scary thing. So I jumped on its head. Our wrangler was back on the haunches, on, on, on the rear legs. And then we had another, an, an adult that was, uh, you know, on its chest trying to just keep, and, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, if this, if this leg's broken, this is going to be ugly in front of these kids. But uh, thank goodness the uh, Henry managed to get, you know, get the leg out from underneath that, that bottom pot or fence uh, rail and uh, count of three. It was one, two, three clear. And it jumped up and the, didn't, the saddle wasn't even hurt. So, boy, we wow. dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. Uh, but just, you know, be respectful. Go, you know, if you see a scout that's, you know, walking about three feet behind a horse, uh, no. Or if you see a scout that's leaning over, <laughs> uh, you want to get a bloody nose? Yeah, just keep keep doing that because they're going to remind you they don't like you to do that. Just listen to what your wrangler 
is is going to tell you. Uh, Walks right behind the horse, you know, um, and and ask the wrangler, you know, show me how to check the frog, show me how to clean its hoof, you know, learn stuff while you're there because these guys that are out there, um, they've grown up with horses. Most of them, not all of them, (laughs) but most of them have grown up with horses, do rodeo or ride dressage or jump or whatever. So learn something from this may be your only opportunity. And who knows, maybe someday, you know, you'll maybe want to own a horse. And I think that's a wonderful thing. So it's, it's another learning opportunity. When the cavalcade ends at base camp, do they still do the Gymkhana? Oh, uh, Caitlin, I'm, I'm so glad you asked. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm not saying that I, I've won two of them, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's fun. So uh, Jim Kana is uh, an old Indian name for those who don't know how to ride horses, get an opportunity to show that you can. <laughs> and during the Jim Kana, now, for those of the that you don't know, barrel racing is primarily a female sport. Whereas there's a figure eight set up and, you know, it's a timed event. Well, you have that in Gymkhana. You also have a relay race. Uh, you have a, uh, oh, you, you, you wrestle burrows or you, you push burrows uh, and corral them for time. But these are chances to get to all this time, you've been nose tail. Now, towards the end of the of your trip, uh, you're they're going to find a meadow, and you're going to get to finally gallop your horse and get away from nose tail, and life is good. Jim Kana, you're wide open. The only thing that's going to stop you is the fence if you don't. <laughs> and so. Uh, you know, everybody there is competitive. Well, our illustrious uh, Wrangler, I don't know why he get, he gave me this horse. Oh, and I later found out, and God rest his soul, got tangled in a fence and had to be put down. His name was Centavo. And, uh, I, I don't, well, I guess I can't really. I, I renamed him, begins with a P, and Aho. Centavo. <laughs> So (laughs) useless horse. No, great, great horse for what it was designed. A kid that had never ridden a horse, and it's perfect. But it was my horse. Henry was like, This horse is great. You you know, I said, I'll tell you what, we'll race. We'll race. May the best man win two out of three. Point seven. I think I I got him one. He got me one. So we walked away tied. There you go. So, okay. So just to clarify, our, we're riding different horses at Jim Connor. We're not on our. No, no. Same horse that you oh, have. Oh, same. Okay. Same that, okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Is there a meal too? Do they feed you at Jim Connor or do you just go to dining hall afterwards? Now on South Cav, you, you think you're never leaving base camp. Uh, so you get there, you're, you're billeting. We, we always get there a day early, which is uh, what I advise everyone to pay those fees. Uh, you're already on station for those that hadn't been. You get to go to Villa Fomonte 
Ray Otto, Kit Carson, uh, the new the new mu- museum. Uh, so bill it a day early really gives you a chance to relax, go have a steak at the St. James. Uh, you know, just just get in tune and take a deep breath until the next day when you meet your wrangler or your ranger, and then and then you know you're in the grind of doing uh, meds and going through all check in logistics, et cetera. So that's day one and day two. Day three, you go out for a loop ride on South Cab out to uh, Stockade. Uh, you'll have lunch at Stockade and then come back. But then again, you're still in base camp. And finally, I guess day four or day three, uh, uh, you finally get to start uh, heading out into the back country. Uh, and the same holds true when you come in. We've come in from Clark's Fork. I guess both times we've come in from Clark's Fork. And so it's a nice little ride through the Buffalo, uh, Oheck pasture, Buffalo pasture. And uh, short ride, but uh, then you have all day, you know, and to kind of decompress. But you do the Gymkhana just as soon as you get in. Okay. Pretty yeah. quickly after you get in. Uh, uh, then in the North Cab, it's at Ponil. You know, Jessica was running it. Mr. Ben ran it forever. And then uh, I'm not sure who's doing it now, but it, it's just, I, I'll admit, I'll admit, running those barrels was kind of fun. What is your favorite horse you've ever had on Cavalcade? Smoky was a bald face and just had those deep blue, clear eyes. I don't think it was a gunner horse, but, uh, you know, it, it was a ball face and smoked everybody on Gymkhana. And and Donnie. Donnie's another good horse. I uh, My son, who's a far better horseman than I am and knows all the technical stuff, you know, and is a licensed, um, like, therapist with equine therapy. Okay. His wife's a... a Aggie graduate in ag business with the equine discipline. Man, this horse was, Dunny was a really good horse. Yeah. Uh, but Smokey was just, just a, just look good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a good horse, but just a, man, look at this horse. I, mean, I want my picture with him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Are the wildlife encounters any different on horseback? Like, do you see more or less? Or do you have any stories there? Well, I've got a video I can show you where um, Henry was uh, going to get some feed and the bear uh, went about 10 feet away from him, which I thought was kind of outstanding. (laughs) Did the horses panic or they just don't care? They weren't spooked uh, in this particular event. I don't imagine that they would really care for it. It just, again, these horses are so docile. Yeah. they're tough to spook. That's not saying they can't be and, and leave you sitting there wondering what happened. <laughs> but um, certainly they're, they're pretty tame. They're pretty tame horses. How long will they keep you on horseback in the rain? I mean, do you just ride through it? Or if there's lightning, do you have to get off? That is the only time uh, that you will have to dismount uh, if there is lightning. You know, they have a slicker for you. But, you know, that water has to run off of it somewhere. I'll wear a slicker on top of rain pants. I just hate to be wet. Yeah. Uh, You're not going to stop riding just because it's raining. 
Uh, now, at the first hint of um, lightning, uh, congratulations, you're now on a track. Do you keep walking your horse or do you have to kind of you got to have 30 minutes clear of no okay. thunder. Okay. And once you clear that 30 minutes, then you're good to go. Yeah. Some folks are, you know, very specific about maybe like a luxury item they bring on the trail. Is there something you always trek or cavalcade with? I'm a chair guy. I'm old and I've got a bad back. So I think. Uh, as long as it fits in the bag, right? Yeah, well, the chair's not going to fit in the bag. Okay. <laughs> you have to find a way to get in that pannier bag very quickly. I see. And if you buy your Wrangler a steak at the James, uh, you too may get to pack that chair. <laughs> not saying that that's ever happened, but uh, <laughs> it's it's worth a shot. I, you know, that that's the one thing I... There was one trek that I didn't have a chair, and it was like, oh, you can always find a tree to lean on. Yeah, well, mm, not always. <laughs> so that's that's my one luxury item is um, is that is a chair and that um, zero degree bag. Yeah, stay warm. How long are cavalcades? They're not the same length as a traditional trek, right? Uh, no, they're not. They're they're eight days, and uh, they're eight days with six days in the backcountry. You, you know, you've always got a day inbound and a day outbound uh, that they count. So cavalcade is is an eight day. Now they they have a fall cavalcade that they just started that I think is only about four days. It's, it's like a weekend. Okay, long weekend. Yeah. A long weekend. Any any last like final comments just about the advisor role on a cavalcade? I I would say follow the two rules that we have uh, in our troop. And the first rule is it's got to be safe and in accordance with the safe scouting guidelines. The second rule that if it if if it meets the first rule. Then the second rule is it's got to be fun. I don't care what it is you're doing. It's got to be fun. And sometimes you, you have to make light of your own self. If it's not fun, I'm not going to want to do it. And certainly I don't expect for uh, the scouts to do it, but that, you know, there's going to be the suck factor, or uh, we call it uh, uh, having B fun. You know, there's A fun, and then there's B fun. Well, the B fun is going to be a part of any trip, and you just have to embrace it and know that there's only one more false summit. Hello, Yuraka Mesa. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's those times that you remember the most. And it's it's those times when, boy, the stand-up people will come. But just remember, you as an advisor, you set the tone for everything. If you're moaning and groaning and complaining that how out of shape and you shouldn't be on this trip because you have violated the the worst rule you could by showing up out of shape, then then shame on you. But if you're just grinning and and sucking wind and like oh man you know wit come here and carry me you know 
You have to make light of bad situations. And you just have to know that that situation is going to end. It's no different than life, Caitlin. Sometimes you're on the gravel road. Sometimes you're on the freeway. And the trick is that you just don't want to spend too much time on that gravel road. I've sat here searching as I've had this other, trying to find a picture of Smokey, bless his heart. He's still out there. He's lost an eye, but he's still out there. Is he's still at the ranch? Yes. He he's uh I think he's he's retired. Okay. I think it's one that they just feed now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> What's your favorite favorite song that reminds you of Philmont? Oh, that's an easy one. New Mexico Rain. I don't care if it's Rod Taylor singing it or Tabasco Tom uh donkeys with Harper singing it, it just, it just, man, it just hits home. It's home. Yeah. Barry, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> it, what a privilege. And uh, I just never take for granted those trips to the ranch because uh, find that mountain and ask yourself, is this it? Am, am I going to get to come back? Which means, you have to maximize that trip in every manner possible. Well, I hope to see you at the Welcome Center some year. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I will. I'm teaching uh, the Ambassador Two class this summer, so I will. I will be out there. Oh, that's another thing. Try and get a cavalcade that either begins or ends on the Fourth of July. The rodeo is such an experience. Oh, no, 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 no. The dance the night before. (laughs) Priorities. This is true. This is true. (laughs) I like the way you think. But no, that is a great time. And if you can figure that out. And, you know, that's all New Mexico cowboys that uh, you don't see a bunch of advertising on their shirt. And when uh, they load their horse up uh, the next morning, they're pushing cows or branding cows or you know, vaccine calves or whatever. They're not, you know, flying in a jet somewhere. Those are your true Rod Taylor, New Mexico Cowboys. Yeah. What One real quick story about Rod. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I asked, I ran into him at the rodeo and said, you know, how's, how's it going? You know, you enjoying the retired line? Goes, yeah, I'm getting a little day work. Oh, well, that's cool. You, you bar. Yeah. He says, yeah, we, um, we uh, we vaccinated. I can't remember. It was twelve hundred or twenty two hundred? I think it's twelve hundred calves. How long did that take you? Uh, it's a little more than a week, you know. Right? It's just man, the quintessential New Mexico cowboy. Yeah. When you saw his <laughs> truck and horse coming, boy, those Wranglers. I mean, they hopped to it, and oh my God, here comes Mister Taylor. I've ever seen him take the shoes off of a horse. <laughs> yeah. How it's done. Caitlin, thank you so much. What a joy. I just, I could talk to you about this kind of stuff forever. I owe you a beer at the St. James. How about that? All right. I'll, I'll be there. I can't wait. All right. Take care. All right. Have a good one. 